Welcome back to Nordic Insights. This is part two of my interview with the global travel technology evangelist and futurist Johnny Thorson. You will hear about his views on sustainable travel and greener aviation outlook. Johnny also gives his forecast on winners, losers and new startup disruptors in the travel industry post-COVID-19. And more. Let's get back to the show. Now, if we look at your identity and if we talk about Nordicness and you being a Danish, are there any specific Nordic or Danish traits that you can identify within yourself that have made you successful? I, I think so, but uh, I also have to say we, we left Denmark in uh, 1991. First lived in Norway for four years, so that was still in the Nordic region. But uh, since 1995, uh, I have only kind of lived outside Denmark uh, and the Nordic region. But when I look at how I behave and how I kind of deal, I know that uh, transparency, integrity, and, and being kind of straightforward and, and honest and clear Those are Nordic values to me, uh, you know, and I'm sure you know it as well, right? Uh, us people from the Nordic, we have a way of saying things that other cultures don't always want to do. We are more direct. We kind of, we have less politics when we explain things. <laughs> and I have been burned a few times, uh, both in England and in the US, when you suddenly yes. ask questions and it's very clear that you're offending somebody else, even though that's not the intention at all. It's just a logical kind of question coming out of the way we, we think and behave in the Nordic, because yes. I think we have all been raised with the mindset that if you see something is not right or can be done better or smarter, then you should say it. And I would say that's really one of my core values to, to kind of always be open and honest, but uh, I've learned yeah. to be more polite when, when I do it. Yes, yes, uh, more diplomatic. Me too. That's, I've been <laughs> trying to teach myself. My husband doesn't always agree with that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, um, when we talk about Nordic countries, and you mentioned a few times, that, you know, like Nokia uh, was very much, uh, uh, you know, uh, for, forerunner for, you know, some of these, um, you know, futuristic uh, inventions. So what that's, I think, is quite Nordic trait that, you know, be a benchmark in many, many areas where we are. You know, in your opinion, what are those key things that rest of the world could kind of learn, learn from Nordic, Nordic countries? So... Um And of course, this is a, this is a sensitive area, right? Because you 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 almost have to go into politics. But uh, I think we clearly have a, an incredible good model for giving everybody the chance to get an education. And when everybody has a chance of getting an education, you get a bigger percentage of you know a given group of people uh, will end up having an education and therefore being able to do more interesting things as a whole. Uh, we also have a, an approach, I think, where big challenges are attacked by the society, by the government, by our kind of, you know, welfare model instead of by individual companies. And if you look at uh, some of the industries where the Nordic region, we are incredibly successful. Uh, it's about, uh, these days, it's about green energy. It's about sustainability. It's about uh, the way we produce and manufacture products. 
uh, where companies take responsibility in close partnership with governments, at least when I compare to, to other parts in the world. And I really think sustainability is a perfect example of how the Nordic region have converted that to a business opportunity instead of a big problem. It's now a growing sector with incredible number of jobs being created in companies with Nordic roots. And uh, that's fantastic to look at. So, so agree with you. When we talk about sustainability, um, while I was doing my research, I really resonated with your mission for sustainable green travel. And in early 2019, you wrote that your mission is to start thinking green and start campaigning for a greener mindset. And uh, one of your proposals, you mentioned that the aviation industry could charge half a percent extra as part of tickets and put that money to an industry fund for research and development for a greener process in aviation. So that makes so much sense and I would be happy to do that. However, many things have changed now. Yeah. And so what do you think are the main consequences of COVID when it comes to green travel? And well, firstly, when it comes to industry and and Secondly, when it comes to travelers themselves. I actually think that sustainability will be a winner from uh, from the whole COVID-19 impact uh, for for several reasons. Uh, first of all, of course, in, in, in the travel space, we are traveling less right now. So by definition, we are emitting less carbon and uh, annual emissions will go down uh, 15%, 20%, whatever the number will be this year. But uh, but more importantly, uh, the airlines have retired a lot of the oldest planes. And uh, there's some interesting stats around it. Uh, a new plane will be 30% more fuel efficient than a 20-year-old plane. And the average age of planes in U.S. before COVID was 12 years. In Europe, it was 10 years. So if all the oldest planes are being retired from operation, we are improving fuel efficiency quite a lot. So, so that's one positive. What's more important, I think COVID is hitting the airlines so hard that some of them will hopefully take a step back and say, this could be the chance for me to accelerate uh, really going green. Uh, and there are several projects that are you know, within five, 10 years delivery timeframe for new small electric or hybrid planes actually flying. My favorite is a UK-based project called Faraday where they expect to have a 16-passenger plane in the air by 2028, uh, which will take off with traditional aviation fuel, but then it'll fly and land on electric. In other words, it'll only emit carbon at the start. Wow. And furthermore, it'll be self-piloting. It can fly without a pilot, and it will be able to convert from a 16-people passenger flight to a three-airline cargo container flight in 30 minutes. Wow. So it's a fantastic example of, of new technology helping accelerate. I think COVID will force the airline industry to think in new ways, and hopefully one or two airlines will say, I want to be the undisputed global leader in green aviation. Uh, that's my hope. But that's very good news. When we talk about actually what is happening today, did you ever predict that something like pandemic, you know, which Bill Gates was talking about in 2013, could put everything in hold like like this, what we are experiencing now in, in, in the world and in the travel industry? 
I I have to admit I did not, but uh, I I actually I I was halfway there I would say uh, because in November last year uh, I presented down in Mexico to Uniglobe, uh, the global TMC network, and David Hughes in your part of the world uh, was there, and I did have a slide up there where I warned the Uniglobe Uniglobe TMC members to prepare for dramatic disruption. And I had nine examples of what disruption could be. One of my examples was that we would no longer have a PNR to kind of manage the bookings. Uh, another one was that airlines no longer would accept credit cards. A third one was that hotels would stop loading rates into the old legacy systems and let blockchain manage uh, smart contract rates instead. And finally, and that's the closest one, uh, I said that we might see short-haul flights of one to two hours or less being banned politically to protect the environment. So my message was, you should start thinking about how would you react if one of these or several of these were happening and what would it do to your customers and to your overall business? So (laughs) that was the closest I got. I did not uh, predict or foresee a complete global pandemic. Uh, I, I have to admit that. Yes, I th- well, I don't think it, almost anyone could, could do that. <laughs> now, when, when we think about then um, the, the future travel and how this is going to look like, in the, let's say in three years' time even, so how will travel deliver value and benefits in the future? And if you all think about it, first of all, I mean, travel providers and have to dramatically change their strategies and also for for the industry and and for the travelers so how do you how do you see that uh, that happening that's a that's that's a really good question so um, obviously we kind of we have three types of travel uh, when you ask that question right uh, corporate travel uh, starting there I definitely think we will see a dramatic reduction of corporate travel on on the long term basis. I don't think we will be going back to uh, where we were in 2019. My current guess is that we will be at 80% in 2024. And that's because sustainability will drive demand down. Uh, New virtual meeting technology will evolve dramatically next year. What we're seeing right now with Zoom and Teams and uh, WebEx and these tools, that's first generation still. Uh, next year, I think we will see uh, gaming technology moving into virtual meetings and events, and we will see a whole new level of interaction and ability to have very creative virtual get-togethers, because it already exists in the gaming world. Gamers have been multi-gaming together for years, and that technology, I think, will move aggressively into the corporate world. And finally, the CFO is not going to give up the savings they have right now. They will protect a reduced travel budget. In the second category, which is the meeting and event space in general, we will see a comeback because in in industries, it makes sense to get people together and share knowledge and have debates and agree on standards or guidelines. But uh, I don't think it will be to the same volume we saw before. Uh, People will be less ready to, to go to these mega events. Uh, whereas the third area, uh, I call it, you know, the friends, families, and and holiday uh, travel, uh, that will probably grow because suddenly we will be desperate for experiences again, uh, but also for just uh, seeing each other and sharing experiences because we're all going through this phase right now where we have to realize that it's not a 
natural thing. You can just go and see anyone you want when you want them. Uh, when it comes back, there will probably be a dramatic growth in experience travel uh, where people will get together and do things together. And that's where it'll be interesting how good virtual technology will have become at that point in time. Because what if travel became 30% more expensive because of sustainability pressure? Suddenly, the idea of very cheap flights would not be possible anymore. And then you would really value when you did go somewhere and probably stop doing many short trips and do fewer longer trips with higher experience value. So I think the the behavior of the traveling population will change. I know for my own part, uh, I have decided uh, I will not do one or two day trips anymore. If, if, if that's not worth doing, it can be done virtually. I don't care if I have to get up at 3 a.m. or whatever. This morning I was up at 5 a.m. presenting to the Norwegian Business Travel Association. So in the old world, I would have been in Norway, right? I would have flown over there uh, and spent one day, perhaps one and a half day in Oslo and then gone back home. That will not happen again for me. I, I know that. Oh, that's um, that makes sense, and it's so interesting. Can you give some predictions for industry players? Who are those players who will survive in this environment? Oh well, that's a <laughs> that's a, a loaded question, right? So um, I will not put names, but uh, if we start with with the airlines, at the end of the day, the airlines will probably more or less all survive, even though they shouldn't. This is a perfect time to uh, to optimize and consolidate the airline industry again, and have fewer stronger players. But obviously, airlines is a national pride. And uh, we have seen how many governments have given airlines money. What's interesting is they're really giving money to a black hole here. Uh, the money they are giving will be gone by end of year. Uh, there's no return on this money. There is a protection of jobs, but for what purpose? If those jobs are gone next year anyway, uh, the money could have been used in much better ways. But I think airlines will probably survive, uh, given the political pride in having a national airline, no matter what politicians generally say. Hotels is a very different matter. A lot of hotels around the world are owned by investment groups. And if they don't, if they don't see return on investment on, on a building being a hotel, they will cancel that contract and convert the hotel into something else. So I think we will lose a lot of hotels that we are used to seeing everywhere around the world. Uh, even the big global brands, a lot of their hotels are franchise partners, right, who, who have a name, but they're owned by local investors or property management groups. And they will go after the highest return on investment. And that's probably not running a hotel uh, in, in a lot of places. Car rental ideally should grow or at least uh, see a, a slight growth simply because people will rather drive than fly short haul. So uh, if they can rent a car and drive somewhere and avoid using their own car, I think that will be a, a meaningful short haul way of doing business travel. On the service side, uh, the mega TMCs as we know them, uh, there are four or five depending on who you include, right? I don't see all five surviving. Uh, it, it makes no business sense that all five will be there because if the market is gone 
down by 50%, then it would make commercial sense if they also consolidated. But that's a financial ownership decision, whether people will invest in keeping them alive or, or look for alternatives. But in the mid-TMC range, I think we will see a lot of TMCs disappear. They will not have the money to either sustain themselves or to invest because whether you're a mega TMC or a medium-sized TMC or a small TMC, you really have to invest in new technology and increase your productivity by at least 50%. Uh, you cannot keep working the way you did in the old world. It's too expensive. Customers will not be willing to pay for that service model. So uh, you need to find new ways of automating more work and charge lower fees for fully automated services. Uh, and that leads to new players entering the market. It's a lot easier to build a new digital TMC from scratch than converting an old TMC. So if you have $5 million, you can, you can build a new TMC. It, it doesn't cost more than that in today's world. And you can more or less be global from day one with that TMC offering if you build it the right way. And that's why this is a very interesting time. It would be smarter to invest money in building new business service providers from scratch rather than investing them in, in maintaining old businesses. But obviously, that's easy to say, and it, it's very hard to, to make those decisions. But uh, I really do think we will look back at 2020 as a year when the business travel model broke and a new structure started uh, arriving, just like how online travel arrived in the late 90s. And it took about 10 years before it really kind of became the normal way of doing things. Uh, and what we're seeing happening right now, I see it with all the startups I'm involved with. Uh, each of them are automating things that are done very manually inside the TMC today. And once you can automate, there's no excuse for not doing that. That's so exciting. Now, when we, if we talk about the startups that you mentioned and could be real disruptors today, can you mention a few that you think that uh, looks, uh, look very exciting? I, I definitely can. Uh, so um, a company like Troop Travel is really interesting because they started before COVID was there and they started addressing the problem of planning where to have a meeting when people were coming from, say, 50 different places. It could be your annual sales meeting in a big company. Troop Travel built technology that would identify the best place commercially, price-wise, sustainability-wise, time spent traveling-wise, where we have most customers-wise, any angle you wanted to look at, Troop Travel would analyze and say, this is the best place to have the meeting. Uh, when COVID hit, they very quickly realized this was an opportunity. And they have now enhanced their platform to include virtual or hybrid meeting planning. So let's say I have 100 salespeople in the US. I want to get together for a, a quarterly sales meeting. But my company have a rule that says no more than 20 people can be in the same place. And nobody should drive more than three hours to a meeting. And we don't allow air travel. Troop travel will tell me within a few seconds where I can have 20 people meeting in four different places. And then 20 people will have to stay home because they have more than three hours driving. And therefore, they can attend virtually. And now we have 80 people meeting in four places and 20 people attending from home. And they all have a hybrid meeting together. You could not do that manually in days of work wide because you would have to start finding out where do people live and look at the Google map and find out where do we have potential places they can meet and how long will it take them to get there. 
all these things can now be done automatically. So I really think troop travel will be a, a winner in, in the new environment, with or without COVID, because you can also use them to find the most sustainable place to have the meeting. Uh, they have several companies uh, back in the Nordic region that are now working with that technology already because they believe in having the most sustainable meeting program as part of their overall ESG program. That sounds very exciting. Yeah. Another very interesting new player is uh, a UK-based company called Thrust Carbon. So uh, Thrust Carbon have built an engine that calculates the accurate carbon emission from air, rail, car, bicycle, ferry, whatever transportation mode you want. Uh, and they do that fully automated via an engine that you can call as an API, or you can use them to deliver the dashboard and the results. And all this is happening real time. So it's now possible to include actual detailed carbon calculation in the early availability search, instead of waiting until the end of the trip. Secondly, They include new factors such as engine type, average load factor, time spent taxiing, a lot of variables that changes the result of the CO2 emission, whereas the travel industry in general uses how many miles did you fly. Uh, and that's what we did 10 years ago. We need more accurate calculations and carbon, uh, or first carbon is a clear leader right now in calculating the most accurate footprint, even for commuter travel into the office when that becomes possible again. So a company can have a daily carbon footprint for all employees who were moving anywhere, traveling or commuting. That sounds so exciting and, and definitely uh, all about the, the green travel mindset. Now, if we think about uh, leisure travel, and you said that you think that the experience travel uh, uh, in leisure will increase, what do you think is going to happen to all travel agents? So um, I think for a while, travel agents will see a comeback because uh, when we plan travel as a leisure traveler, it's nice to have somebody kind of we can you know either blame or praise for giving us a good or bad experience. Uh, and it's very hard right now to find out the true picture of what you can and cannot do, where you can or cannot go, what's open, what's closed. Uh, I saw it myself this summer when uh, when we traveled back to Denmark, my wife and I. The information I could find before going to the airport did not match what I saw in the airport. And the same was the case when we flew back home to California two months later. Uh, it was hard to get reliable information because Airports are not used to communicating on an hourly basis. Uh, they communicate once a quarter to their shareholders, right? Uh, and airlines don't own the airport. They own the in-flight experience. So uh, we will have travel agents for a little while, but then technology will overtake them big time. Because this is now about processing and you know consolidating and processing an incredible amount of data quickly. And new tech tools are coming along very quickly. Uh, one is a itinerary planning tool called Mobi, uh, which are kind of trying to do the door-to-door -door planning experience in the leisure travel world incredibly elegantly. 
Uh, I know in my own work inside American Express, uh, and I'm on the card side, I, I have nothing to do with GPT, but in MX Card, in a digital labs where I work, uh, we are looking at new ways of providing intelligent travel planning and inspirational tools. Um, and, and they will be driven by technology, not by people. People will support them. People will be important for being kind of behind the scene and make sure that technology still makes sense. And of course, we will still have cases where technology cannot deliver. But uh, it's just like you know the troop travel example. Uh, when you need to process thousands of data sources and get a quick result, uh, a human person cannot do that. Uh, it'll take them hours to jump to 20 different websites and look at the latest information, whereas a robotic platform can do that in a few seconds and tell me what I want to know and let me make my decisions based on that. Well, that sounds so exciting. Now, if we go back to Nordics, uh, what do you think about the role of uh, Nordic countries uh, and Nordic know-how in this new normal uh, It will be when it comes to travel? Can you see any trends there? So um, I'm not close enough to really kind of uh, give good examples, right? Uh, But uh, I've presented to the Danish Business Travel Association back in January. I was really impressed that half of their uh, one-day agenda was about sustainability. They had sustainability uh, speakers from the government, from the airline community, from the kind of uh, EU-level environmental kind of agency. They had a number of different kind of uh, angles looking at sustainability and, of course, also from the, the travel buying community. So it was very clear Everybody took it very serious. It was not loose words anymore. Another trend that should happen is that uh, rail travel will hopefully be expanded further, right? We uh, we still have high volume of air travel between the four Nordic capitals. And we might finally see the emergence of true high-speed rail between the four capitals. As a intra-Nordic project, uh, it will probably take 15 years, uh, but then you could have true high-speed rail connecting the four capitals and eliminate air travel between them. And that would be an incredible example to send the rest of the world that uh, you can do it if you want to, right? And it will be a good business and environmental investment. That would be absolutely fantastic uh, initiative if that uh, would happen. Okay, so your advice for everyone, for the industry and the, for the travelers, what is your advice? So, so I would say... Uh, We have spent six months kind of mourning now, uh, worrying about uh, when will we return to the old normal before COVID. And uh, I think now is the time to accept that we are not going back to that normal. Uh, And if you want to survive in your business, you now have to focus on how do you create a successful business in the new kind of 50% environment? Uh, What do you need to do to make sure you are the winner? Because if you don't invest in improved technology and improved automation and in new capabilities, your competitors will. So even if you survive somehow uh, with government money or whatever, you will be out of business when we go back to normal because your competitors will be far ahead of you. So I really think it's time to stop thinking about what we have lost and start thinking about what are the opportunities. And there are plenty of opportunities. Uh, Every time we have big disruption, big opportunities come out of it. So uh, look ahead, 
don't look back anymore. And I'm, I'm writing an article about this that will be published next week, uh, all about, you know, stop looking backwards, uh, start looking into the future. That's a great ending and, and create a great vision for everybody uh, for the future. So thank you very much. No, it's been so exciting to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your know-how to us. And, and I'm sure uh, myself and all of the listeners will have learned a lot and have lots to think about. So thank you so much. And um, now, first of all, stay safe out there. Hopefully there will be no more fires. And uh, Will do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have a very positive outlook in the future. Thank you very much, Satu, and uh, hopefully you guys will have a better summer than uh, last year and avoid the big fires in uh, in the coming uh, summer season. So uh, stay safe down under, and uh, I really hope I can come back to Australia next year. It was the plan to be there for Christmas and New Year and parts of January here for, for this uh, summer down under, and uh, of course that's not happening now, so I'm crossing my fingers that uh, that we can go down under next year. We'll look forward to seeing you face-to-face um, -face very soon. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you would leave a quick rating and review. You can also find Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Voi hyvin, hade sopra, take care.